Everyone, welcome <laughs> to <laughs> Community Roots. Yeah, Everyone think there's a thousand people that are listening right now. So if you are got your we ready up, to rumble? <laughs> In one corner, we have good mental health practices. In the other, <laughs> life. Dave Abstead, adolescent. Welcome everyone to Community Roots, a place that we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. I'm Sarah Wakefield. And yes, as we are kind of teasering a little bit earlier, um, we're going to talk about a couple different types of ego states, Um, the wounded child, the adapted adolescent, and the functional adult. Uh, We're looking to continue to build off where we've been working with season three. I'm kind of talking about this coming back to home base and um, these ego states are kind of how we um, deal and cope with things. So I'm excited for this. I've wanted to dive into this for a while. It kind of feels, you know, a little bit like um, I'm in college and we're studying for a test and this is the, uh, (laughs) there will be a pop quiz. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. How um, much do you remember from seasons one and two, where we have talked right. about Pia Melody before and we are bringing her back? I dig it. Uh, Pia Melody back for season three. I, I mean, it wouldn't be a season without Pia Melody. It wouldn't be an episode. It wouldn't be an episode. Yeah. <laughs> She's done some very transformative work for people. I think this She's got a very helpful lens uh, model to understand ourselves as this season. We've been talking about how to be a healthy human and what does it look like to come back to home base? And I think it's just very powerful how she conceptualizes it because it gives you a little bit of a pathway, which is part of our name, Community Roots, that pathway to mental health so that you can kind of have some signposts or something to how do I know where I am? Am I in a good place or am I struggling? Or sometimes we're aware that we're struggling, but we don't know how to articulate or put words to it Mm. or find a pathway through it. So we don't just stay stuck. And I think her model really does an excellent job of giving us the path and some ways to connect in and say, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see this. I can see it in myself. I can see it in humans that I'm relating with. And it helps untangle some of the ambiguity and complexity of being human. So you can tell I believe in this model. (laughs) You can tell that it it is is something that has been transformative for me. If this is your first episode, get ready. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Uh, It's more PMLity. So sweet. Yeah, let's dive into it. I'm excited for it. So when we're talking about ego states, what that means, we've talked earlier in this season about our littles that we credit um, LaShonda Sugg for, like internally, our inner child, our um, parts of us that 
um, make up the layers of who we are as a person. And these layers, according to Pia Melody, is, is able to be conceptualized with a functional adult, which is the essence of who you are as a mature, functioning human in the world. And then we have these stunted parts that are the wounded child or the adapted adolescent. And when she talks about these, she's referring to younger parts within us that may have developed at specific ages of like a wounded child being zero to five or sometimes zero to seven. It's our earliest woundings. It's also where we had very young attachment needs that just in being human, we have a need to be seen and heard and have our needs met. And it tends to be a very young part that's in need of nurture. So it's our most wounded part of ourself. And psychologically, what's happening with that wounded child is we have this fear of not mattering. We don't really have a sense of self. We don't know who we are. It's very young and stunted. And then the adapted adolescent being more of the six or seven-year-old up to age 17 is where she kind of conceptualized her model since then with the um, understanding of neuroscience that we have in the 1990s. This model of hers dates back into the 1980s. So we're able to know that the brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is where our, our functional adult dwells, um, that doesn't even develop fully until age 25. For some, it's even, uh, even up to 30. And so really, I think this model could be expanded upon to say that adapted adolescent could go into early 20s as well. Um, but that's kind of what she calls a false self, like that it doesn't have reality. It's more stunted or immature in the ways that it tries to cope. And the adapted adolescent is actually trying to handle, cope, or parent that the wounds of the wounded child. It just doesn't know how to do that in a functional way. And so then when we have the functional adult, that part is able to take charge and have um, authenticity and not these false beliefs. It's getting to the essence of who we are. It's more differentiated. Um, and that part is as we're healing, growing, developing, hopefully that is the part that we keep online more and more often that we could be aware where we're sliding during the day into our wounded child or adapted adolescent. And we're able to kind of breathe into that, make adjustments and look at how we can become more functional personally and relationally. So Julie, I'm taking away from this that you can also, um, so these states are fluid. Hopefully mm-hmm. we're spending more time in functional adult. Um, right. But as my gratitude will show, <laughs> it's easy to slide in between these wounded children and adapted adolescent stages. Um, what if someone as a youth, um, say, so like say you're under age 25 or around thereabouts, um, and people continue to remark to you that you are mature for your age. Are you actually mature for your age? Or are you like, is it possible to be a functional adult as a younger person? And if not, because of that prefrontal cortex development, is, are, is that an indication of like maybe some trauma, some imbalance of 
mental health. I don't know how to put that. Well, I think what comes to mind as you're describing it are the streams that we've talked before, like within mm. attachment that you can have streams of functional adult, because it's not like you wake up on your 25th birthday <laughs> and your prefrontal cortex, ding, like your, your brain has arrived online. It's like, we have streams of that, that we are cultivating, even as we're raising children, whether we're parenting our own children or we're reparenting these young parts within us. So those layers and those streams are developing. They're just not fully developed until later. I would say that some people were forced to function or over-function at a very early age. And that's why someone will say like they have an old soul or they're so mm -hmm. responsible or they've always been so mature, but they may have neglected and not been able to have a wounded child or a self that has needs. They had to take care of everybody else. So they became more of like the role of a hero. We would say that the role in the family would be like a hero that they um, were falsely empowered because it was like, you're just amazing the way you are and you don't need anybody. And that's not an accurate, healthy view of self. Um, they may have just some good wisdom from having to learn the hard way. So I think there could be streams and layers of that as well, but it's like, have they really had someone who was able to mirror back to them who they are and so that they could be seen and heard, or did they just have to over-function? I also hear you saying we could spend time, like it's healthy to spend time in, as you're growing up in these ego states, like you do have to experience wounded child. You do have to experience adapted adolescent. Yeah, totally valid. Like this is develop. It's a developmental model and it's based on attachment needs that are being met and to go back to the places where the needs weren't met before. Like we have more um, covert um, like needs are lacking. We have holes and gaps so we can go back because going through the first time as a young child, zero to seven, um, or an adolescent that's older, we weren't necessarily always connected and attuned with and having our needs met. And so, yes, we're, we're literally working out these ages as we live them biologically, mm -hmm. But as we're trying to make sense of them as an adult who's trying to reparent and heal themselves, we're kind of looking conceptually at those different ages and stages. So we do kind of this reparenting concept that we're trying to go back, reflect back on where we've had dysfunction in these younger, immature ego states that they just they got stuck or development got derailed a little bit because of life or lack of support or trauma that has occurred. So we do this trauma work to, to help us kind of be more present, be more able to meet the needs and kind of reduce some of the reactivity that happens when we're in our wounded child or our adapted adolescent, both of those extremes, we could visualize on a continuum, wounded child on one end, adapted adolescent on the other. Just like if you're driving down the road and you get a little bit off path and you overcompensate, you swing to the other side. Mm -hmm. What we're looking for as a functional adult is to be balanced and moderate in the middle. So we have to explore how do we 
how do we bring that functional adult on board and stay more present? So therefore the job of the functional adult is to parent or reparent the wounded child, not in the way that the adapted adolescent has, but in a functional way. And sometimes the adapted adolescent needs those limits and boundaries and being taught and um, reparented as well. So we can go through like each of these a little bit in more detail as we talk about the parts work, just to give more of a framework for um, how yeah, the that sounds good. <clears throat> child feels. Yeah, I know the first thing that I thought, you know, as we often go through these things is, um, where do I fit into this? <laughs> <laughs> or what have I been experiencing in this? And I think it would be good to break these down and then I, I, I agree, mom, I think it's good to focus on the reparenting and the functional adult as well. I feel like we'll probably spend most of our time talking about the wounded child and the adapted adolescent, but um, I know we're looking to talk about what that repair, repairing and re reparenting looks like. And so I think this is a good time to reflect on that spectrum, like where do I fit in or like what we talked about earlier, like what times am I feeling the wounded child versus what times am I feeling the adapted adolescent? And what do I feel like I've got a pretty grasp, good grasp on? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, because I'm looking through some of these, I skipped ahead a couple slides. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. I'll, I'll let mom lead us through kind of the wounded child and the adapted adolescent, but I know it's um, brought up a couple things for me too. So the wounded child is a very young, vulnerable, kind of a needy state. Um, people tend to feel very overwhelming and intense feelings, um, more abandoned or suffocated, needy, kind of insatiable. They have a lot of wants and they have no boundaries. Um, they tend to feel, and in Pia's language, it's less than or worthless, they, there's a fear of not mattering. Um, so it's, it's young and needy, basically intense, I would say in that way. Um, when you see like a child, like what's, okay. So I'm trying to picture this happening. Um, you know, like a physical representation or, you know, like, and I'm picturing this kid in the grocery store having his meltdown or her meltdown. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this question, but I think it has to do with identifying that as a, as an adult, what these things look like. Um, and I think I can feel every single one of these things as an adult. Mm-hmm. And particularly when we're feeling vulnerable, worn out, stressed out, we've used that acronym HALTS before, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, stressed, or scared. Um, yeah, those really emotional, I would say right-brained, um, limbic brain, you know, our flipped lid kind of thing, all of those are coming from I've got needs right now. And this is not to say that those needs are not legitimate because they are. Like it's, it's human nature to have needs. Mm. And so it could be a dysregulation, like your example in the grocery store, it could be that that person has not had sleep or nutrients or hydration or feels ignored or unsupported. That's going to make the needs louder. 
so that they can get met. They're tr- the needs are trying to get met. And they don't, at that age, they don't have more of a regulating capacity where they can calm themselves down. They need support from an external co-regulator who can help them feel seen and breathe and help the needs get met to help them understand like what's missing. How can I get back into what we've called like a green pathway, a ventral vagal pathway in polyvagal terms of like, I feel okay again. A lot of the times those things are dysregulation caused by um, basic needs that aren't being met currently, or it could be our sensory processing is highly attuned. So like noises are particularly irritating. Our focus is distracted because of um, could be sensory needs or sensitivities to sounds, fabrics, um, any, any way that we have a sensory input could be out of balance. We could be needing more sensory input. We could be needing less sensory input. All of that is impacting how our body is able to regulate or feel okay, or if it doesn't feel okay. I definitely think as an adult, I feel all of these things. Obviously, as an adult, I feel all of these things. But as an adult, I don't allow myself to identify these things. I don't allow myself, well, I shouldn't feel lonely. I have people around me. I shouldn't feel less than look at all my accomplishments. I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't all over myself. And I'm just looking at this list, you know, you know, needy or insatiable, suffocated, abandoned, less than worthless, overwhelming, intense feelings, fear of not mattering. And I wonder, it just seems to me that I know of a lot of adults, including myself, 100%. Um, I tend to stuff that down and not, um, even address them, not, not pay attention that I have needs that need to be met at that basic level level. I think that's interesting because I wanted to say that I actually feel like I have a good grip on my wounded child. And I think that, um, I ask some of the same things or go through the same kind of internal dialogue, you know, in terms of, um, if I do feel abandoned, you know, being able to self-talk or say, Hey, what do I like to do by myself or something? So I definitely see, like, we all feel it. And I wonder, like, we're not going to avoid feeling these things. Right. We'll just have the indicators that say, Hey, we are feeling these things. Mm -hmm. And then how to be able to react to those things. Or Um, respond like in a functional way, like how can I, so when you're coaching yourself or you're encouraging yourself, as long as it's not a complete dismissal of what you Mm -hmm. are feeling, if it's a way of kind of coming alongside and bringing in that wounded child to say, Hey buddy, I got you. Like Mm -hmm. I can help you. We're in this together. Kind of like when we've talked about talking to your amygdala and saying like, Hey, you're looking out for me. Thanks for looking out for me to try to keep me safe. So when you kind of befriend your nervous system, then you're able to respond in a supportive way. That's your functional adult coming online to help yourself cope. So that's a very functional thing to do. If you say, and, and like Sarah, what you're talking about is kind of the, um, shooting or shaming on ourselves where Mm -hmm. likely was hard to have those needs because they maybe weren't given room or space 
when mm. you're growing up, that there's not somebody there to mirror back and say, of course, you need this from me. And I want to be there for you. And I want to support you and offer you um, something that you're needing. We don't have a culture that really knows how to do that or has done that. I don't think necessarily very well as a whole. I'm not saying it hasn't mm -hmm. happened in mm -hmm. moments of connected relationships and healthy relationships, but it's kind of, um, I can see that a learning curve maybe until we're able to have a language for it and to model it and to do that, to pass that on to the next generation. Yeah, it's interesting. I think you can see the, just even in the verbiage of how we're talking about wounded child, how we react different or uh, cope with it differently. I am interested about this adapted teenager because that's interesting to me. And we can go through the list here. And I was also curious, like, well, why does the transfer happen? What happens that, and maybe we can talk about this in a second, but you'll see that wounded child is very, you know, kind of becoming louder in order to feel like you need attention. And the adapted teenager kind of feels like a different vibe. I'll, I'll let you go through it, but that was just mm -hmm. one of the questions. Yeah, there's a shift that happens that I think Pia has conceptualized in a really um, creative and meaningful way to say that the adapted teenager has the behavior to try and parent the feelings of the wounded child. Like, what do we do with all these feelings that this wounded child has? This feelings of being overwhelmed or being abandoned. So now what do I do with that? That's where mm. she brings in the adapted adolescent or teenager to say, that's my response to the big overloaded emotion and neediness. Like, how am I going to, I can totally see that. Yeah. If you look in the wounded child, I mean, overwhelming, abandoned, suffocated, like needy, these things like, and we've talked about this before, whenever you are a kid, whenever your emotions start going on, they start to overwhelm your frontal lobe, like the back of your brain where you're having your emotions are actually the thing that's going on. So they can't even think about that higher stuff. And it feels like the adapted teenager kind of has the consciousness that they're feeling something. And like you said, this is how I'm reacting to it instead. Trying but, to cope. Yeah, let's go through this. Mm -hmm. This is a good list. Yeah, trying to cope. What can I do to respond? But they don't have the maturity yet. So the as I described that continuum, we've got the one extreme where the wounded child is. Imagine overcompensating to try to help fix it, so to speak, or solve the problem. So sometimes the way mm -hmm. an adapted adolescent would cope with their behavior is to become very critical and attacking or superior. So mm -hmm. Pio would call that being better than or going one up. It might be very demanding. Um, they could shut down any needs at all and they would be needless, wantless. Like I don't want to have needs because I'm going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to kind of like restrain or contain myself further. Like I'll do it myself. I'll be highly um, responsible and independent, which can be taken to an extreme and not a healthy thing, even though our culture kind of values that. Mm. Um, it could be it, it, how each person interacts and it could be in our 
various relationships. It could be our personality styles. It could be on either extreme of I'm either out of control and rebellious, or I'm having too much control, or I can be good and perfect, or I could be bad and rebellious. I could be Mm. really responsible, overly so, or I could be irresponsible. And Mm. In some ways, I could put up walls that like abandon and neglect others because I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going to shut it down. I'm going to close off and I'm going to put up walls. Um, Or it could just have really damaged boundaries that it doesn't know because the wounded child has no boundaries. It's saying, I don't know how to cope with any of this. So there could be a convoluted mess of boundaries. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. You can see a lot here. I also noticed some of these things on on the list is things that we support in our society or something that's seen as a positive, like critical or attacking that can be seen as a sign of strength or indulging is on this list, which how many like retail shopper or like uh, retail therapy stickers have I seen <laughs> every time I'm like, oh no. Um, it's, it's, I, think, it's I think it's maybe... I don't, I don't know where I've seen critical or attacking as a positive thing in our culture, but normalized in our culture for sure. Like, Hmm, that's fair. Like what, you know, what's wrong with the fact that I was yelled with, I yelled at as a child because everybody yells at their kids or something Mm -hmm. like that. They don't, it's just like, well, everybody does that. And how Pia responds to that is to say it can be common and normalized, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. make it functional. It's like we've acclimated to it as a society as, oh, that's normal to be that way. Or people think from a, if we think of behavior modification, which I talked a little bit about this on the unpack that in our last episode, um, behavior modification is I want you to conform and comply to a standard. And Mm. so how some people have tried to accomplish that is by being critical. Or mm-hmm. by being attacking, mm-hmm. attacking, like you need to look at it this way. You should be doing it this way. Your behavior should look like this, which is where in this adapted adolescent list, it comes in being too controlling. Mm-hmm. You're trying to control something else. Why? Because you don't like that behavior. And so you want to squelch it and stop it and like, don't yeah. do that kind of thing. And so we can even see how parents or teachers or systems can interpret behavior as sometimes disrespectful or mm-hmm. um, definitely disobedient or, you know, and they'll interpret this behavior in a way that they put judgment on it instead of just noticing that the behavior is an outward sign of what's happening internally, like their mm-hmm. unrest, their dysregulation, their immaturity, maybe lack of skills, all of that creates behavior that outside just lets of their us window. Know they're outside their window. Right. Mm-hmm. Which no, I'm glad I can you brought up. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up about the window of tolerance because as we conceptualize these parts, these ego states inside the window of tolerance would be our functional adult. That's where we can handle the ebb and flow, the challenges, the stressors. Yeah. The, makes sense. The red pathway hyper arousal or the blue pathway hypo arousal uh-huh. are both aspects of we could conceptualize those as the adapted adolescent and the uh, wounded child is kind of that wounded child being kind of blue pathway that shut down. I'm collapsed. I feel worthless. I'm less than. 
And mm. the red pathway adapted adolescent is more of a, I'm superior. I've got all this energy or rage or anger, or like, I'm going to, you know, control the world or whatever. Like it's, mm -hmm. what do I do with all that? Um, being upset by things or angry or anxious or so that would maybe be more of the red pathway and mm -hmm. what we're working to to grow in maturity and healing is to widen that window become more of a functional adult who can be in the green pathway yeah i think that's good and then i mean we've talked about this before i mean i would encourage people to go back to our window of tolerance because we actually talk about returning to the window of tolerance so if you feel like something with your winded child or adapted teenager has kind of brought you outside or continually brings you, uh, we kind of go into that. So let's talk a little bit more about, you know, that green area in the middle or the functional adult. Yeah, so the functional adult, and when we do this um, parts work, we call it, we're wanting to reparent or heal. And so we look at what are the behaviors that would be more mature, more functional, more developed, more present and attuned to meet the needs because that wounded child and truly the adopted adolescent have legitimate needs. They mm -hmm. need their needs mm -hmm. to be met in a way that's mm -hmm. more attuned and more nurturing and more functional. So the way that's accomplished is through self-love, being mm -hmm. affirming and nurturing being accountable, having um, boundaries that have containment um, with our talking boundary. And we're going to do a whole episode to kind of review our boundary things that we've talked about before. We're able to contain ourselves. We're also able to protect ourselves with our boundaries so that we can be both connected with others in a healthy, balanced way and also protected. Uh, the functional adult has moderation and balance, like on that continuum that I mentioned earlier, the functional adult is in the middle. Mm -hmm. It has interdependence, which means that it's okay to need each other. It's okay to ask for and mm -hmm. also give support in mutual ways, um, which of course I'm talking about in adult relationships. I'm not talking about the kids meeting the needs of the parent. That's not appropriate, that would be a form of abuse. So I'm talking about having healthy relationships in our adult life that we can have mutuality. Um, and the, the functional adult is present. It's in the present, not being driven by our unconscious dynamics from the past or things that are unresolved that are like sweeping us away into our wounded child or adapted adolescent. Um, they're able to be mindful and non-judgmental, like to able just observe in that moment. And then they're able to take care of their needs and wants in appropriate ways that, mm. that they can ask for what they need. They have a variety of places that their needs can get met so that they're not flooding and overwhelming one particular relationship. Um, they're both able to take care of themselves, but also ask for others for support when that's needed. Yeah, that's interesting. And it sounds like, I mean, if I'm understanding this correctly, we tend to slide between the three and it's just kind of about returning to home base. There we go. Using that term again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but and that, that concept with um, like meditation that we've talked about, like you, you forget mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. you remember you, you, you get off track and then you come back. 
same thing with this. Like you have the awareness that, okay, I'm really in my, I'm outside my window right now. I'm in my wounded child or I'm in my adopted adolescent. I'm in that red pathway or I'm in that blue pathway. So how do I bring in more streams of Mm -hmm. green pathway of functional adult? Mm -hmm. It's not clear cut boxes, like jump from one to the next, but it's like, how do I give myself more support? How do I regulate my nervous system using my breath, using hydration, using rest, using movement, exercise, having supportive relationships, the things that will help bring my functional adult online so that I can spend more time in that window of tolerance? Yeah, I I think that's interesting. I think it's so helpful to know that we are going to flip between the three. Like earlier, whenever Sarah mentioned that, um, uh, I'm going to write down the time. <laughs> um, okay, let me get back my train. Um, so earlier, this reminds me of whenever Sarah kind of talked about, you know, can people with undeveloped brains still have functional adults? I mean, still have, and I think that we've answered that yes, people with, who haven't fully developed can still have waves of that functional adult ways that they've learned things clearly. Um, But I also think it comes with a misconception too that kind of there is a click, like you just suddenly you're a functional adult and then that's what you are. And I, I think it's so helpful to know that, and I've learning this growing up, more and more that there is no switch. It's constant, mm-hmm. you know, maintenance, making sure things are good and um, keeping up on that stuff. So I think that's hopeful as well. So whenever I feel myself going into one of those states, not beating myself up for essentially not being perfect. Right. Right. That's fair. I think the, um, the image that comes to mind for me, as you're describing that, that we've equated it to before is building a muscle. You know, when you go to work out at the gym, you can't just automatically lift these heavy pound weights. You're gradually working your way up. You're building a new muscle. And some days you show up and it feels pretty easy. And you're like, I'm in a good place. And Uh I feel really strong. Other days you show up and you're like, I'm exhausted and I hate exercise and I don't want to do this. I am wiped out. I've been there. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it is that it's just a little bit of all the parts are welcome, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm developing, I'm growing, I'm learning. All of those are process kinds of words. It's not that I've arrived. It's not that I've accomplished the functional adult or something like that. It's more like these streams that I'm, I'm learning and growing. And it's a process that happens across the lifespan. Mm -hmm. I can know more today than I knew a year ago, or it's the day to day, you called it maintenance, which makes a lot of sense. Cause it's like, you're doing the, the work of putting, investing in how do I, that's what the self-love is, is I'm going to be mm-hmm. nurturing and kind and gentle to myself because I'm precious and valuable, not mm-hmm. because I'm the only one in the world. that's that way, but because I treat myself like humans mm-hmm. were same as mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're precious and valuable and I'm precious and valuable. And so these are ways that we can relate in the world that are kind and nurturing and gentle and not harsh and critical. We need to bring in that self-compassion, which goes back to what you were saying, Sarah, about the 
um, shoulds. I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't, I shouldn't do this or whatever, that it's okay to have the needs. It's okay to nurture those needs. Yeah, I dig it. I I think that's awesome. I think that we've covered a lot today. And I I always love whenever we can connect that back to an older episode or something like our Mm -hmm. window of tolerance um, episode. So, um, and I also love this season, how we're able to build off these ideas. Um, So both of those are good things to look into. Well, um, as we kind of wrap up, uh, we tend to end with gratitudes and affirmations and stuff. And I would, I always love them to sprinkle them in, but I like that we add them in on the end as well. So uh, yeah, Sarah, you want to go first? So I just wanted to say that I am grateful for my uh, vacation I got to go on earlier where I went out to California and visited my sister. And um, I took a couple solo hikes by myself and I think I experienced all of the ego states in oh my, my hikes. <laughs> what a great reflection. I know, thank you. Um, I, had, I had a couple hikes that I think were definitely, um, well, let me start off with the one hike that was a wounded child hike, because that one, I definitely had overwhelming feelings that just, I mean, I was surrounded by gnats and flies on this one trip that was supposed to be this hike. This was supposed to be beautiful and um, along a river. And I just, I had gnats like all over my sunglasses. I had flies in my ears and I am going oh. along this path, like yelling at these gnats and flies. <laughs> constantly. And I just got so angry and I was like overwhelmed. And I'm again by myself on this hike and there's no getting away from these nests and flies. And I have my trekking poles and I'm flailing them around. I mean, if I could have been on the ground rolling around, having a tantrum, that's, that's (laughs) how it would have um, evidenced itself. But I had that hike. And then I had another hike where I just wanted to be done. Um, I was, um, feeling, I don't know, like I just, I got irritated. I was thinking this was a dumb hike. Um, I was like, this needs to be done. I'm so tired of climbing to the tops of these mountains. And (laughs) I had to like, I don't know. I just found myself in this adapted teenager state over and over again. And I finally pulled back on both occasions on both of these hikes that were less than ideal. Um, I pulled back and I, I actually said to myself, like, I am behaving like not a functional adult. Um, like I wasn't very present with my body. I just wanted, like, I wasn't, I was taking note of all the things that were bothering me, but I wasn't really reflecting Mm -hmm. and being non-judgmental. I was just like, very much like, I can't believe I went out here to do this thing. And, um, I don't know if that's making sense or not, but, um, I, I finally started pulling in and taking care of my needs. Um, Mm. like, okay, Sarah, why don't we stop and have some water? Why don't we stop and just take a moment? And do you, do you need like a snack? And cause I just kept pushing myself on these hikes and I just kept, no, I'm just going to get it later. And you need some trail mix. Exactly. (laughs) And I haven't thought of that later about how I could have used trail mix on the hike. But anyway, um, this, it ended up, you know, I calmed down. I had let my, I even, I let myself have a fit. I'm like, you can have five seconds of a fit. 
and and like get it out get it out what's going on here and five seconds that's all you got <laughs> <laughs> well the gnats were really bad and so I did have to set a time frame but I even also took a said you know what I'm done with this hike I'm not going to force myself to continue on this hike this is not working this I'm being stubborn I'm being um you know, I'm forcing myself to do this when really my body is saying, this is mm. horrible. Mm-hmm. This is just absolutely. Like, I need to set some limits. Yeah. My boundaries. Mm. I need to you have needed some your boundaries. boundaries. <laughs> yep. That sounds accurate. So, so great application of our ego states. Thank you. Yeah. Melody would be proud. I know I'm certainly proud of you. Yeah. It's a gratitude and a learning experience. Hey, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, today I was actually at a client site and I met another random listener oh, uh, as nice. I was going around. Um, I went to, and, uh, she was so excited to pull out her phone and show me, uh, her Spotify link. So, um, uh, I forgot to ask her if she was, um, subscribed to our playlist, which we also have a community roots playlist, right? But anyway, uh, yeah. Um, it was so fun. I always like when that happens, that's the second time that it's happened to me at work in Columbus. So I appreciate, you know, the Columbus people, uh, showing up. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. Lisa, if you're listening, thanks for chatting. I oh, nice. It. A nice little shout out. Yeah. We're thankful for you, Lisa. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. that's awesome. I would say that my gratitude at the moment is the ability to, um, reflect and work with pacing because I've Mm. noticed for myself, like probably for a while, I was like, boy, I feel really good and not too burned out and in a really great place. And here in the last two weeks, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to notice. So I'm going to say my gratitude Mm. is noticing because I'm starting to notice of just like indicators might be going off for me of just, wow, I would love to have a little bit of space to, I've got Mm. this stack. If you all know me, as I've shared on, on community roots, I have this stack of library books that I don't have a need to read from cover to cover, but I do have a deep desire to just sit and explore and even just parts of, you know, quotes or things that I'm learning. And I have not had a chance. I've been doing great things, great activities for holidays and, um, family time and, there's just hard to juggle that. How do you bring Mm -hmm. it back to, there's also time for me too. even if I'm Mm -hmm. doing my, um, regimens of self-care and yoga and meditation and, you know, quiet time or friendship or whatever, all these things are great things, but it's like balance and nurture and pacing and Mm -hmm. noticing those are all such great, great, great tools. And they're also a little like, I'm glad I'm able to notice. And then I'm like, well, now I have to be attentive and responsive <laughs> yeah, to myself right. as, as a good reparenting to myself is to say, okay, I can't just keep pushing whenever my body's giving me indications. Like you had said, Sarah, about your hikes in California. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome that Agreed. you got to go on that vacation. I love that, that reflection that you had and just how sometimes you have to slow it down. And we've tried to model that with community roots too. And our, mm-hmm. um, pacing. We've taken a breath. Yeah. And we took a season to kind of sabbatical a little bit, take a break. And I'm excited where we're at now. Maybe I can add this Mm -hmm. as a one last little gratitude, um, of all our different segments that we've been brainstorming. Agreed. Yeah. 
I hope people enjoyed that. Um, unpack that. I want to do that uh -huh. some more. And, you know, we're talking about this um, trail mix and mm -hmm. coming out with some new things, breath of fresh air that we could do in between our every other week. Um, is that the name that we landed on or did we vote on something trail else? Mix? No, the breath of fresh air. Oh, you know, I'm not sure where we're going to end up with that, but I'm curious. if, yeah, I'm excited. I love how, you know, it's one of those things that just hits you with a moment of inspiration, but mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. wanted to say, I'm so glad that you had that gratitude, especially right before the holidays, because mm -hmm. that's right where, you know, those lines start to get blurred and it's yeah. one of those phenomena whenever you're around people that, you know, for a while, you start to revert to some older ways of doing things. And so you might kind of forget in, in all the craziness. And we also have holiday help episodes. Definitely check those out. Yeah. Um, those are helpful as the holidays come out. Maybe we can re-release some, Yeah. but thanks so much for joining us today. Um, as always, uh, I love doing this with uh, Sarah and my mom, and I'm so glad that we're able to have listeners who can join us as well. Um, you can Thank always you. reach us uh, at Facebook um, or email us at communityroots.pod at gmail.com. Um, yeah. Uh, wanted to thank Steve Dodge for the theme song, Alex, Alexander Wells for our logo, Carrie Stratton for our social media. And yeah, uh, this is going to be pretty good. So, um, our next episode will be up, um, after Christmas. Oh my goodness. After this, we're going to be... <laughs> The days are just flying by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, our next episode will release after Christmas, but we will see you then. Happy holidays. Bye, everybody.